0: This is The Show with Cannon Brown. I'll be honest, here a few years ago, we raised a bull called Benelli that CMEX bought and uh, was one of our high-selling bulls, sold him for 38000 as a yearling, and that bull has literally gone across the world and to Europe and South America and Australia and stuff like that and sired calves all over the world. And we were sitting in Fort Worth a couple of years ago, me and my wife were, and we had an Argentina come by and he saw our son and saw our son and put two and two together that we had raised that bull. And, you know, got to talking to us via translator, got to talking to us about that bull and what they had bought like a hundred units on him, bred their whole entire herd to him. And I think it really hit home to me and to my wife both, you know, we took that, you know, that, That bull was raised off, I mean, he was a first calf off a female that my daughter won Houston with. And, you know, that success through that, I mean, really hit home that you can see that how you influence stuff in Australia, how you influence stuff in South America and in Europe, you know, with one animal like that that was raised by us.
1: That last few minutes might have been a little confusing. You'd like to know who I was talking to, wouldn't you? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show with Cannon Brown. I have got a fantastic guest for you guys today. It was a live interview with Mr. Brian Rogers, great cattle guy, great cattle mind. Uh, he's had uh, a lot of success within uh, Texas at the majors. He's had a lot of success at Arizona Nationals. He's had a lot of success uh, around the world. Honestly, I mean, if you heard uh, my cold open, he's he's raising bulls that that are uh, that are raising stuff across the world in Australia in, in Argentina and Europe so uh, it's pretty incredible to have this guy on the podcast and, and kind of have him share his knowledge uh, and his story. more of his story you guys know me I like to I like to talk about somebody's uh, life but he he dropped some knowledge in here so pay attention. Um, before I do that, go follow me on social medias you, you guys know I had to tell you this. I finally got a Twitter. all right guys I finally got one. It's at the show underscore pod, the show underscore pod uh, on Twitter. Go follow me if you like Twitter. And then uh, you guys know the rest of the handles, Facebook, Instagram, at the show pod. Subscribe, leave a rating, leave a little comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Let me know what you think. I know I talk too much, okay? So I'm going to end it. Also, I will have a video for this one. I did video this live uh podcast so i will be posting this on facebook a little bit of on instagram probably on twitter uh might release the whole thing on youtube so be on the lookout for that Uh, i'll be announcing those uh things on my social media so you guys can can kind of see what i'm doing there so let's do it mr brian rogers you're safer here than any place else now just lock yourself in and keep quiet i am here With Mr. Brian Rogers, sitting in a parking lot outside uh, the Arizona Nationals. It's a beautiful cloudy day. It is. And I I just want to point this out, and this is going to be nothing to the people listening, but as we're talking, if you look out this windshield, there's going to be a string of planes that are going to be coming. It is a beautiful sight. It is. You see it coming out of the clouds. You see it going onto the runway a little bit. We got a great sight here to look at while we do this little podcast. Very much so. (laughs) I like it. Now, uh, you drove a little bit of ways to get here. Took us a minute. Took you a little bit. Yep. A couple days.
0: Yep, yep. We took off. We uh, left the Christmas Eve, went to some friends out in West Texas, and stayed over there for Christmas Day, and then came the rest of the way on the 26th. Nice. How was Christmas? It was good. Real yeah. good. Good Christmas.
1: And you had just gotten back from the NFR, right? Yes.
0: Yep. We were in the NFR out there. We had a uh, little bit of sale out there that didn't go too bad, so it was really Did nice. You? Yep. Tell me about it. Oh, it was great. Uh, Greg Burden put on a sale called the Players Cup. Him and Jed Wagey did it together. Um, Jed's uh, girlfriend, uh, Miss Hedeman, Tracy Hedeman, she uh, was kind of helpful on that. And we had a sale there in Hard Rock. Uh, We had three lots of the five Red Angus lots that were in the sale and got along real good. So pick of the bulls for right at 15,000. Sold a flush uh, to some good friends there in Oklahoma, Neil Thompson. Uh, for 4500 and sold a set of embryos to some good family friends there in uh, Texas for uh, $700 a whack So it's good NFR. That is pretty decent actually. It wasn't too bad. Did you get to see the rodeo at all? Too? We did we did we went to the rodeo one night and hung out. So it was a good time. Now I saw uh,
1: Leaving Vegas. I saw on your snap. It didn't look like a very good time.
0: Yeah, yeah We had a little bit of trouble <laughs> the tram broke down and first first experience if you knows about Vegas uh, that tram t- takes you a very very long way yeah. and when it breaks down you got to get off that tram get on a concrete <laughs> pad and walk the rest of the way <laughs> and that was a little bit of a trick was that to your flight yes it was to our flight did yes
1: did you leave early enough to yeah we had left
0: earlier went on over uh, we had to be out of our hotel by 11 so our flight wasn't like till two so oh, we had that's... plenty of time so it was yeah. that wasn't a bad time but uh they lost power in that whole part of the terminal so it's pretty interesting to say this. Yeah, dude, I was watching
1: that on your snap, and I I was laughing my ass off. If I even messaged you. I said you got to keep me updated on yeah. this. deal. <laughs> it's a first. It's a first. I don't ever recommend it for anybody, but it was a first. Yeah. Well, uh, Brian, you're from Big Sandy, Texas. Where about is that in Texas?
0: That is northeast Texas. So, hundred miles east of Dallas, Tyler, Lone View area. That's where I grew up. At. Okay. Yep. Okay. I'm. I'm familiar with the Dallas
1: area. I've been yep. to Dallas. I've been to Waco. Yeah. So we've uh, been, been south Fort there. Worth. Yeah. Yep. Um,
0: that's
1: a good. That's a good spot. Yeah. Not bad. Kind of grew up around uh, some dairies. You said.
0: Yeah. I grew up around. Uh, my family wasn't in ag, but our house was kind of centered around three dairies. There, we had probably three dairies within a mile radius of our house, and uh, so it was around ag, but wasn't my family. Weren't in, my parents weren't in ag, so that was kind of my first introduction to it, and. Kind of some other stuff started from there. You know,
1: I have a feeling that we're gonna have this in common because my family owned a dairy when I grew up. Gotcha. Uh, they own the land. Yeah. We own the land. We sold out in the '90s because government had a bailout. Yep. But we still own the land that people lease to put cows on. But growing up around dairies, you you kind of later in life tend to notice that smell yep. and miss it a little bit. Yeah. Am I right?
0: No. Yeah. That's for a sure. great smell. A it's, smell it's of a, a dairy. It's
1: different. It's that, different for sure. But like. I think for us, it just goes back in the minds. You're just like waking up on a good morning. You're just like, oh yeah. That, and what my grandpa used to say is, when we were driving down the road to
0: go to our dairy, he said, "Smell that? It's the smell the money." <laughs> I like it. I like <laughs> it. If you ask anybody in the '90s, they'll probably say that was the smell of losing money. So, well, I think
1: it's that's just the dairy industry. It, it is. It's up and down. It's, it's. Uh, I don't it's even tough. know. That's, it's very tough. That's a. That is a tough industry i mean it's it's going up and down up and down like crazy and then the consumers yep. you never know what they're gonna do for sure it's tough it's oh. very tough for them. <laughs> we don't need to go into the deer no we yeah. don't. <laughs> i don't know enough about it obviously. Neither do I. okay <laughs> okay so you were kind of centered around ag um but your parents didn't have any livestock. You didn't, like, grow up raising livestock when you were younger.
0: No, I did not. But did in, not.
1: Until you hit high school.
0: Yeah. When I was in high school, my freshman year, I had a very, very good ag teacher by the name of Tina Rosenbaum. And uh, this was in early 90s. And she decided one day I had that first ag class, and she said to me on the first week of school, hey, you want to go to a cow show this weekend? And she's just like, sure enough, I ain't got nothing else going on. So I took off, went to a cow show come home from that Saturday, went straight to my mom and dad and said, i got to have a show count. and it all steamrolled from there. Now, what do
1: your parents think when you say, I want, I want a show count? because there's no way that they can know what goes into that, right, when you just say, hey, I want a hat for the show, or I want to see her show.
0: No clue. They were They had no the idea. blind leading the blind, uh, had a good ag teacher. We actually started with a Flick v. Simital. that's how old school it is and uh okay it's, what what is that really so cool. the old yellow and white scimitals okay. that originally would have come over yeah that was what that's what we started with a red of a yellow and white red and white scimitol in 93 i believe 93 94 and started with that had no clue went to fort worth my first year walked into a class of march heifer calves and this was in the height of the scimitol deal there were 62 heifers in my class and I made the big lap at Fort Worth and went right back out there. <laughs> they said, you just you keep on going. Yeah, you keep on going. You just no. keep on going out there. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. So that's where it all started from and then it just procededly got better and better and better and we met people along the way and met a lot of good friends and helped and asked the right questions and got with the right people. and blossomed into what we are today now what was it when you
1: first started showing because it it seems like everybody has that little click where it's like okay i want to i want
0: to really get into this what was that for you for me it was really the i think the biggest thing with me was it was up to me to get it done and it relied on me i'm an only child so it was no like you know you know everybody talks about team sports and this about being on a basketball team and football team and i get some of that and i get the parameters behind that For me, being an only child, it relied on me. If we didn't succeed in the show ring, it was was because of me. It wasn't because of anything else. So that was the thing that I liked about it. And that's, you know... Like today, when I judge and I judge a lot of shows and get to judge all over the countryside, I think one of the big things I always say in showmanship, you know, it's up to that kid when they're out there in showmanship. It's not up to the parent that helped them get there or the fitter or anybody else. It's up to that kid when they're out there alone with that animal. And I think that's the biggest thing that hooked me on it was yeah. it was up to me. Yeah, just that kind of sense of responsibility. Like you got to
1: do this, yep, or this animal is not going to do well.
0: Yep, for sure, for yeah. sure, for sure. I, and
1: I think a. Uh, I think you're kind of unique in that aspect because uh, most kids that come in there, they're just like, they're like, yeah, I'll just go to the county fair. I'll get a check at the end of the year. Oh,
0: yeah, well, for sure. I mean, that's,
1: that's your usual kind of uh, FFA kid or 4-H kid.
0: Yeah, I think so. And, you know, there's the ones, you know, what I call them the one percenters, the one percenters that take it to that next level and are at that next level. And, you know, those are the kids that, you know, I think are going to really build the future of America, I should say. Yeah. And I think that's the ones uh, – have all the responsibility and rely on themselves yeah uh you you
1: talked about judging shows yep i just wanted to get in we probably should have said how we how we met oh yeah for sure so we met uh judging a show in idaho yes um we we all got called last minute yes and for some wild reason the four of us just got pulled into this
0: hodgepodge of it was uh, a great time. It was an awesome time. It was a great time. We got roped into it last minute yep. for a county fair, and it was a very big county it, fair. And it was a big county fair. I mean, uh,
1: I judge the goats. Everyone that listens to this knows I'm not a goat guy. I'm a hog guy. Yep. But they needed to go judge. That, and they told me it was the biggest goat show in Idaho. I, and it, I'm
0: just a hog guy. Yeah. It was a big county fair. It was a very, like a, I mean, I would relate it to... If you're in Texas, that would relate it to probably some of our smaller shows that we have down there. Uh it like our big small shows is what I call them. Yeah. It'd be something along like that. I mean, concerts. It we had a big concert we saw <laughs> One of Collect- your favorite bands. Collective Soul. We got Once free you get- tickets to Collective Soul. We had backstage passes. Backstage passes. Yeah, it was um, it was awesome. So uh, And I didn't know who Collective Soul was. I'm pretty it's sure th- I was the only one in the group that knew it because I was the I oldest out of the group. But we all knew like two songs.
1: Yes. We all knew two songs by Collective Soul. We just didn't know who Collective Soul was. Yep. And honestly, if they're playing at a, uh, a county fair in Idaho... You can't blame me for not knowing who Collective Soul is. Very much so. Very much so. <laughs> but we were on the we were on a podium on the side. I mean, we, were. we were up
0: close and personal. It was. It was awesome. But it was I remember, awesome time.
1: I remember you telling us you were like,
0: "Boys, you better enjoy this cuz this does not happen." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I I get to I get to judge a lot and uh, not very many times you go to judge a county fair anywhere or any big show and they're like hey we got backstage passes hey you want to come check out this concert and blah 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 blah. it was a first class event very very well handled and they treated us like we were kings yeah
1: and i feel like we might be hounding them just because we were saying that it was like last minute we got called it it was last minute that we got called but it was still a very well-run show very much and we don't need to say the county but i'm sure people if they know idaho they probably know what county it is but yeah uh so now you know how we met. Now yes. You know how Brian and I met. We had a good time. Good weekend. Uh, was not how I expected it was going to go. <laughs> I, not me either. <laughs> did not,
0: not, did not uh, expect it to go that way at had all. Had no idea. And actually,
1: we hadn't even met until like 20 minutes before the concert because yep.
0: our the scheduling
1: because scheduling, we were in the we were judging the same ring. Yep. So it didn't really work out. But oh gosh, that was a good time. Very fun. I about. hope they call us back for next year. I'm
0: in. <laughs> Sign me
1: up. I'll go. Uh, speaking of judging, you did a little judging in uh, FFA. Yep. You competed in some contests as along with showing livestock too. For sure. How was that experience for you? Did oh, you like I, loved doing
0: that? I loved it. I loved it. You know, getting out there and you know, getting to see the animals. And I think you know that's one of the great things about FFA and 4H is you know not only you know showing them but getting out there and being able to pick your own animal, pick them apart. You know, I'm versed to say, God's never created a. Uh, the great one that doesn't have a flaw at all, and I think that's a great thing about judging. You know, getting out there to look at them and finding you know the flaws in those said animals, and talking the good and the bad of them, and you know discovering that, and you know taking it from that point and raising them. So yeah. I think it's a great thing. I think,
1: uh, I mean, it's just a great thing to know. If you're raising livestock, you should know how to how to evaluate livestock. For sure. And I think that kids can kind of pick it up on their own over time, yep. but it really helps if you have the atmosphere of somebody teaching you kind of what what goes into reasons, how do you, how you pick apart an animal, what do you look for skeletally, yep.
0: it comes in handy for sure. Oh yeah, I think it's a great thing, you know, it's one of those things, I think if you're going to be a great judge or a great breeder, you got to be the most critical on your own cattle, and if you're critical on your own cattle and building from that point forward, I think that's what leads you into breeding, being a great breeder, being a light, great livestock judger. Um, do you ever uh, do you ever get barn blind? You know I want to say I don't but I think there's sometimes I do but I think it's one of those I think the biggest way to keep from getting barn blind is getting out and looking at other cattle and getting into other people's barns. You know I've got a real close knit of friends there in Texas and uh, you know it's one of those things I'm notorious my wife probably gets on to me all the time about it. I'll take pictures, Snapchats, whatever and send it to a small group of friends and Ask for their honest opinion, and they'll sure enough give it to me. There's, it's a no holds bar type deal <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of what they uh, what they think, and I think that's what keeps you somewhat grounded. Yeah, that's good, yeah. Grounded in this deal and keeps you on the right track of yep. you know building on up.
1: You gotta have friends like that that'll keep you in your place. Oh, for sure. If they're not, if they're not keeping you in your place, they're just kind of going along with the ride. Yeah, can't I, have that happen. Yes, very much so. Now, uh, in high school, you you ought to be pretty smart in high school because you have ambitions to get your phd yep why do you why did you want to get your
0: phd uh growing up you know like when i kind of got through high school that college level i kind of looked at it and you know was talking about jobs and where i wanted to go and kind of looked at you know our professors that we had and they were all older white males and i was like man if you're gonna go into a job i mean every professor i had throughout pretty much my college career was that way i was like man, they're probably going to need somebody young to get into it. So that's the reason why I pursued the BS, MS, and PhD was like, man, it'd probably be good job security. <laughs> so, that's it. So, uh, I mean, have never heard it, uh,
1: yeah. like somebody explain their schooling like that before. Hey, job security, they're yeah. going to need some young guys to come in here. Exactly. These old guys are going to die soon. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> so that's what kind of led me down that path. That's... Honestly, that's very unique. I haven't heard that. Yep. So it wasn't really like you're like, you didn't have a job in mind. You're just saying, you know what?
0: If I really need a job, I can always be a professor. Yep. Yeah. I mean, so you had was... ambitions
1: of being like a professor. You wanted to teach people.
0: Yeah. And I I, don't, I love the teaching side of it. And I, I, I really enjoyed, I loved teaching, uh, got to teach at Stephen F back at my, where I did my BS and MS and love the job to the fullest i mean love dealing with students and you know i think it was real great especially at that university you're talking about a smaller university it's only got 10 12 thousand people at most and you have a lot of kids that come into the ag program or animal science and they might have had a dog or a cat and they got ambitions of being a vet but then you get to teach them about the beef side of stuff and where does you know where does your beef come from what does it take to get to that point point? and i really enjoyed that because there was a lot of we had a lot of city kids that came in, the animal science majors, and they didn't have a clue about what it took to raise a beef cow, wow. uh, raise a steer and raise it from start to finish to slaughter. And, um, you know, getting to teach them that and show them and open their eyes. I think that was a, it was a great thing. Love teaching, hated dealing with professors. Just the politics of it? Yeah, the politics of it, it was just, it was too much for me. Okay. It, I, I just couldn't deal with it. It was the politics of, behind it and, you know, the things you got to do to get to tenure and all that kind of yeah. stuff was awful, awful tough. <laughs> so, okay, so you get your BS and your
1: MS in animal science Yep. Uh, at uh, Stephen F. Austin. Yes, sir. With a minor in biology. With a minor in biology. Minor yep. in bio. Yeah. Um, I hate biology. No, I'm just kidding. I don't hate biology. I don't like chemistry. <laughs> I got gotcha, you. I, I got gotcha. you. I love school. I'm do you a, really? I you I, I really? Well, go. obviously, you got your PhD. You do.
0: You I, like school. I loved school. I, I actually, I mean, I loved it. It was, uh, I like learning and learning new things and keeping up to date on stuff. And then, you know, got that. Then went to A&M. And I'd always wanted to go to A&M. And I decided if I'm going to do it, let's end at a and rather start at A&M. And loved A&M. Loved everything about it. Then went there and get my phd in repro and it was a great great thing
1: now seeing as though you looked at being getting a, your phd for job security and wanting to be a professor once you figure out oh shit i don't want to be a professor anymore how do
0: you feel uh it wasn't a bad thing you know okay. like um Left from being a professor, went on, went to, uh, I worked after being a professor, I went to work for the Gelby Association. I was their central area coordinator. So I ran from Texas to North Dakota, covered the 13 center of the states, got to deal with beef cattle producers all the time. Uh, did that for about two and a half years. And I loved working for the Gelbys and working in that association. It was, it was great because it kept you grounded. But then you got to see a lot of countryside because I mean I had the center of 13 states and if anybody knows anything about that breed, that's probably 80 percent of the whole entire Galby breed reside and that's in the center part. Yeah. So you know you get to deal with majority of the breed, great a lot of great breeders. I've still got a lot of great friends from that breed that I stay in contact with today and actually own cows with today and. Uh, uh actually good friends of ours, Jim Dobson, he actually bought in on a red Angus cow. They're member number one in the association. His dad was one of the ones that started the association. Dang. And uh so you know, gotten, getting to meet those type people and be a part of it and you know, travel the US and see what it takes to run a cow in North Dakota versus what it takes to run one in Texas. Yeah. I mean that was it was very intriguing to me. It was awesome. It was awesome, awesome. Being a part of a breed association is
1: it's a pretty uh unique experience it is getting to travel and meet just like you said meet so many producers and see how they run things because everybody does things different yes it doesn't matter if you're neighbors you're going to do some things the same way but in big things they're going to be a lot different
0: very much so and you know i thought one of the neatest things about you know being a part of an association it doesn't matter which one you're a part of but you know you meet the one producer that his whole program's geared to selling bulls within a 30 mile radius of his house and you meet the next producer down the road that is his whole program is for selling bulls within a 1500 mile radius of his house and i think that was one of the great things and seeing the differences of those things and seeing what clicks and how many you know there's so many aspects within the beef industry that you can utilize to make a dollar and what it makes for that one person may not work for the next i think that's pretty cool yeah
1: you're at the galvy association Yep. Um, you end up departing from the Gelby Association.
0: Yeah, we had a change in CEOs, which yep. I mean, typical association stuff. Changing CEOs, kind of new. I had a suspicion it'd probably come, and sure enough, it was changing CEOs, and they wanted to bring in their own staff, which is. They like to clean house sometimes. Yeah, yep. so left there, and uh, within three weeks, we had our first uh, production sale there in Texas. I say production sale, online sale. We sold 10 heifer calves, averaged 8800 bucks, and my wife kind of looked at me and says, man, you probably can make a living doing this full time. So that's what... And you're like, oh, now I know why people have been raising cattle for 200 years. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So started from that, and uh, we had that sale that fall, and the following spring, we bought the place we're at now, which is uh, 90 acres there, just outside of Bryan there. And uh, we've got uh, about 100 Recep cows also on another 500 acres that we utilize uh, with a neighbor of ours, and it's grown into what it is now. I mean, we put in roughly about uh, a little over 100 embryos a year. We've got about 45 purebred cows and run an open string and a junior show string and a little bit of it all now. Yeah. Now, uh, and you kind of have a partner in Canada, right? Yes, yep, we've got a couple of partners in Canada now. We started out with Lazy MC there in Canada, with Clint Morash, really good friend of mine. I tell everybody it's almost like my brother, because he's the only child, I'm only child, and we have clicked, and we've been friends for years now, and uh, so it's worked really well. Then we've got a new partner there, the Walgenbach family there in Canada, and uh, they have done, A lot of good for us and they allow us to come up there in the summer and uh, I get to go through about 600 head of the most best red Angus cows in all of North America and pick out heifer calves from there and then come back home and pick out the heifer calves from our house that we've raised and we have a sale in the fall and it's done really really good so what you're saying is the best red Angus cows are in Canada I there's a lot of really good ones there what part Uh, Alberta Alberta, Alberta. If oh, you want to go, go see, ya. if you want to, if you want to see good Red Angus cows, they're Alberta, Canada. they here, they're, they're the best. If
1: you like Red Angus cows? Go to Alberta
0: for sure. Um,
1: so, here's one thing I wanted to bring up with you with the cattle industry, because there's a lot of people that raise cattle. Just yep. like any other industry, there's a lot of people that raise them, especially in Texas. Yep. So, how do you? uh kind of justify oh you know what let me just go head head into raising cattle for a full-time job when there's so many competitors around me that are doing the same exact thing
0: i think for us what what set us apart was you know kind of when we started with what we're doing you know we've got angus now and we've really gotten heavy into the angus deal and you know being in the red deal and we use those genetics back and forth but i think what set us apart was you know we were the probably one of the first, if not the first, that had an online sale. And now you look online and there's 30 guys within 30 days having an online Red Angus sale. And I think that's what's kind of set us apart of, um, you know, we started out with that. You know, we were one of the first ones that got into it. And, you know, I think our client base is built up enough now and people know when they look at our stuff and they're going to buy something from us, they know that, hey, one, yeah, it's probably going to be a show cow. But at the end of the day, it's gonna make a cow. And they know that the feet, legs, structure, udders are all gonna be there. And I think that's one of the big things that has set us apart maybe from some of the other ones that have hopped into it is they know what we have started out with the heifer calves and how they've progressed into a bred heifer to a cow and being a donor. And then, you know, I think something else that we've done, I like to pride ourselves on is helping our customers build their customer base. So that they can make themselves a business out of it also think so uh, you
1: have no hard feelings about that you just you're like we're just going to help people out
0: oh for sure i mean that's how it should I, be i i mean we love it i mean me and my wife we enjoy it i mean we love helping out our customers and you know getting them to the next level you know we've got some good customers there in texas that have started raising some of their own and they've <laughs> raised some darn good ones now to the point that they haven't even bought out of our sale and everybody's like man you know you your customer and i'm like that's what it's all about yeah that's what i mean i Building love them. i love i love to see them take a cow from us and take a bull that we've raised and make their own and you know have those ones that they can go show and they can be supreme or reserve supreme at a show and win a show here there whatever and then take those and have a sale and sell some embryos in a state sale or whatever like that i mean I, i think that's pretty cool
1: well and especially because once you once your customers are seeing results that almost puts you to yourself to the next level. Oh, because sure. you're that guy now Yeah, that people are coming to to build their foundation for their op, for their whole operation. Yeah,
0: for sure. For I mean, sure. it's not
1: like uh, it's not like Express is like, oh, no, we don't want to sell anything because people are going to start herds with our cows. They're like, yeah, that's the point. Like, yes. That's why we're selling these yeah. efforts is for you to build a program
0: that's what it's all about that's you know that's my big thing you know like i tell all of our customers and you know it's it's great when you can go win a show don't get me wrong we love winning just as much as the next one but it's even better when they can go and raise one Yeah. and they can raise one that can go on a sale or go into a bull stud or go you know whatever it is that they're wanting to do and you know get some revenue out of it yeah. i love that part
1: yeah well uh we're as i said we're sitting here arizona nationals How long have you been coming to the show?
0: This is our third year to come out here. Okay. So, your first year, you win it. Yep. Win the bull show. Yep. We win it with a bull that a good friend of ours, Dennis Thomas, raised. His name's 5T Bag of Chips. I named the bull. Love the bull. I love it. thought he was, picked him out as a calf, and he's a full sib uh, to a well-known bull that Kyle Conley bought called Power Chip. And uh, we came out here to Phoenix, and we showed him that year, and he was Supreme Champion Bull. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah.
1: Come the second year, so you liked it enough. Yep. You liked the show enough. You win the show. You're like, oh, this is a
0: pretty decent show. They they run it really well. Come the second year. Come the second year, I was running around Texas. Had a friend of mine had bought a one of our house selling Red Angus heifers. Uh, Daryl Pitcher's is his name. Kept calling me all spring. Hey man, you gotta come up here and see this Angus bull. Okay. Daryl Pitchford, anybody knows Daryl Pitchford, he's been around the cattle deal forever. He runs about five cabillion Santa Gertrudis. So, you know, I'm kind of thinking five cabillion. Well, yeah, it's a bunch. <laughs> Let me it's tell you. A bunch. If you ever go to Daryl Pitchford's house, you'll see all the Santa Gertrudis that are there, known to mankind. And Daryl's won everything under the sun in the Santa Gertrudis world. Really? Everything and shows all over. So Daryl told me he had five bulls there at his house, all full sibs, need to come check them out. So I go up there, look through there. Man, there's a pretty good Angus bull. He's a yearling at this point. It's like, man, that's a pretty good Angus bull. Call a friend of mine uh, named Joseph Blunt. He's in vet school. Called Joseph, I said, hey, he's got some semi-tall cows. I said, you might want to go see this bull. Me and Joseph actually had taken off to go up to Arkansas to judge. We were going up to a show up there to judge for uh, Colby Cummins. And go up there to uh, judge a show. I said, hey, let's take off, go early. Let's go by Darrell's and we'll show you this bull. Make sure you can see what I'm seeing. Make sure I'm not being barn yeah. blind. Yep. We go there, and Joseph's been in this cattle deal for a long time, and he's a good friend of ours, and he's like, man, that's a pretty good bull. Bull's not broke, not clipped, no nothing. So we come back. And he's a yearling. He's a yearling. Yeah. So Joseph gets the bull bought. We bring him home. We break him in about two days, and we called him Believer. How hard was that? Was it, it easy? He broke in two days really? and biggest baby ever. That's biggest awesome. baby. Loved, loved, loved showing. Uh, so that fall, I told Joseph, we went to state fair. We were a uh, champion Angus bull at Texas state fair that year. I told Joseph, I said, um, we probably need to go Phoenix with this bull. We entered him up, brought him to Phoenix last year, Supreme bull at Phoenix last year. Yeah. So cool trip. So you've, you like Arizona nationals is what you're saying. We, I, I love this show. And yeah. I think this is one of the shows that. You know, we've shown it all of them. We've shown it Louisville, we've shown in Billings at the Nile up there, we've shown it Denver, we've shown in Alberta at Agribition and in Farm Fair and all the big things. And I think what sets this show apart from a lot of the shows is the hospitality that's here. Mm-hmm. That's I to me it's it's unheard of. You know, we get to show it all the big ones in Texas and you know, I think the great thing about coming out here is, you know, when you get here, you know, like yesterday we pulled in the barn. They had kids running around with uh, trailers, uh, little push carts, and they were helping us get everything off the trailer and throwing it in their stalls and what can they do to help and, you know, having, you know, the staff, uh, you know, getting stalls and getting tie-outs and making sure you've got enough and everybody's having a great time. And I think that's what sets it apart out here.
1: They do an an awesome job with their hospitality. This show, and they've had growing pains, especially with the hog show. Yep. Uh, But... I think they've they've done it well, kind of adapting because it changed so quick. Yeah, I mean
0: the cattle show changed, Yo. and the cattle show got a lot bigger. Yes, it's gotten annual. You know, we started out here. We came out, well, three years ago now, two years ago now, and uh, at first year we were out here. We us and maybe one other people. I think we're from Texas. We go back to Texas and I'm telling everybody, I mean, I'm telling, it, man, if y'all wanna to go to a show, you need to go to Arizona. I mean, I know, I know it's a long ways from Texas out here, I get that, I mean, but it's a long ways to anywhere. It is. But, you know, it, it's, you get here and I think, you know, you go down our aisle today, you can go and see the families that we've brought with us out here that are with us. And, I mean, that whole one aisle we're on right now is all Texas people. Yeah. And, you know, the amount of people that have come out here since then, it's just great. And they're, I think the way they market this show, the people they've got behind the scenes, doing their Facebook stuff and doing their promotion is top notch. It's pretty sweet. Yep. Now, uh,
1: I wanted to talk about uh, one more thing really quick. Now, we talked about you judging shows. You judge a bunch of shows. Yep. You're kind of a prime example for somebody that didn't go to junior college to judge, didn't go to senior college to judge, but you still judge a bunch of cattle shows. Yep. How does that make you feel? I mean, do, do the it, it? I don't know because you're kind of unique. I know, but it's your generation kind. Of, you're probably like the last of it.
0: Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, I. You know, I think. You know. I love the judging team deal. I love We have a lot of junior college and senior colleges that come by our house and get to work out. Obviously us being there in College Station, A&M's there quite frequently. And I love that aspect of bringing those kids in, getting them out there to judge. I think, you know, the aspect that's probably kept me a little grounded on it is everything is that I'm a breeder. So I'm probably have a little bit different perspective of it. And, you know, you know we do this for a living, me and my wife do. And you know, it's, you know, it's what pays the notes. It's what pays the $20,000 embryo bills and transfer bills. It's what pays the tractor notes and truck notes and trailer notes and, you know, all the bills that feed bills, the $100,000 year in feed bills that we have, And you know, that's what pays for it all. And I think, you know, with me and the way I've done it is, you know, you're getting, it's a little bit of different perspective of we're doing it for a living and, you know, that's the perspective I look at it when I'm judging cattle is that you're getting my idea of what's going to be the most functional animal, what's going to go out and make the most dollars. And, you know, it's probably a little bit of a different view than what some of the judging kids and judging coaches might have. I don't know if it's a big change in difference of view, but maybe just a different perspective.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I truly think that you're, you probably are the last generation that can get away with that because nowadays, uh, a superintendent's not going to call you if you didn't go to junior college. You can't even get in the door. I feel like I believe
0: I I believe that wholeheartedly. And, you know, and, and
1: I think I think that's a good thing for mo- for the most part.
0: Yeah, I, I mean I don't disagree with it. I think oh. you know the biggest thing that probably has helped me get into the judging side of it is that I've done it long enough now, and we've had the production sales, and we've had the success in the show ring and outside of the show ring. I think that maybe has helped me a little bit, and maybe you know. I don't have the name of I was I judged on this senior team yeah. that was this national champion or whatever. So I th- I want to say maybe that's what's helped me get into the judging deal and yeah. had a little bit of success at doing it. So, yeah.
1: Well, it just goes to show and I uh, I saw that I saw a tweet like 3 months ago that said this, but it's like you don't need to go to junior college to judge shows. You can still kind of you can know what you like as long as you're good on the mic. Yep. People will listen to you as long as you're getting it right. Yep. And you can express yourself correctly. People are going to hire you to judge show. Oh,
0: for sure. For sure. But, for sure.
1: What's your, what's your end goal with, um, uh, with your deal? What, what's your end goal with raising cattle? What, is
0: there an end goal when you're raising livestock? I think there is. I think, you know, this similar question was asked to me this summer. We went Arizona National came out to do our video. Oh for yeah, us, I saw for, that. That was sweet. Yeah, for doing the Supreme deal. They kinda asked, where did I want to be in five years? And I think that relates back to um I want to see our customers have this success. That's why I wanna see. I I really do I think, you know, like I told my wife today, you know, we came out here three years ago and showed and, you know, in our string, none of them had our prefix. This year we bring three out here two of the three have our prefix of ones that we raised our lot one from year ago sale ring female uh she has our prefix then our female our angus female from our lot one this year has our prefix then we've got our big bull that we're going to show here i think that's you know the end goal is uh to see those customers take and take the stuff that I've raised and make it into their stuff that they can have the success with, you know, like I said earlier, from the show ring to the revenue side of it, to the production side of it. That's what I want to see. It's a good goal to have.
1: I think as a producer, that should be your goal. Oh, for sure. Just elevate more people and just keep making customers and keep them making customers.
0: I, I, that's, that's what I love seeing. And you know, we've been very fortunate and blessed that, you know, with our partner there, with Clint there in Canada, we've gotten to sell a lot of genetics all over the world we sell into argentina and you know into europe with cmex stuff and bulls we raised and all that and you know i think one of the coolest things is uh i'll be honest here a few years ago we raised a bull called benelli that cmex bought and uh was one of our high selling bulls sold him for thirty-eight thousand as a yearling, and that bull has literally gone across the world and to europe and south america and australia and stuff like that and sired calves all over the world and we were sitting in Fort worth a couple of years ago me and my wife were and we had an argentina come by and he saw our son and saw our son and put two and two together that we had raised that bull and you know got to talking to us via translator got to talking to us about that bull and what they had bought like 100 units on him, bred their whole entire herd to him and i think it really hit home to me and to my wife both you know we took that you know that that bull was raised off. I mean, he was a first calf off a female that my daughter won Houston with. And, you know, that success through that, I mean, really hit home that you can see that how you influence stuff in Australia, how you influence stuff in South America and in Europe, you know, with one animal like that that was raised by us. That's that's freaking sweet, dude. It was. It that was. Is, it was pretty cool.
1: That is a moment that you'll remember for the rest of your life.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just one of those things. I, that's the part. That's one of the things I love to see. That's awesome. Yep.
1: Now, I've got one more question for you. This is kind of a question that I ask everybody. But for my generation, if you're talking like me or you're talking to another young guy, young gal, coming in, coming up in this industry, trying to
0: make a name for themselves, trying to make something. Yep. What's your advice? Be humble. Work hard. That's the best advice I can give anybody. You know, I think if you're a humble person and you work your tail off, It it's it's gonna be seen. You know, you might not see it today, you might not see it tomorrow, but down the road, I think for me being an older person and me, you know, and the people that are older than me, I'll be honest, those ones that see that and uh, see, see the effort you put into it, See what you've done. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter if you have a podcast or if you're working as a hand in a barn blowing on a cow. Yeah. I think there's going to be people that see that and they're going to see that success. They're going to see you and being how you're being humble about it and working your tail off. I think that will lead to greater things than you'll ever imagine. I think that's a
1: great uh, answer for that question. Great. <laughs> well, Brian, I appreciate it. Uh, good luck in the show. Appreciate it. Hopefully, uh, we'll have some good days here in the next weekend, few days. Hopefully, I mean, I saw that little uh, Angus hat for you guys. She's pretty nice. Yeah.
0: So. Yes, we're pretty proud of uh, her. Yeah. We're We're pretty proud of that one.
1: Well, uh, I appreciate you taking time out of your day, and I. Uh, we'll We'll talk soon. I'll have you on again. We. Uh. I gotta have you on with a like a phone call too. I love it. I love it <laughs> anytime. I love it. And then hopefully we get called for that show again. Yeah. Yeah. That would be. That'd be so fun. Yeah. Get
0: to Maybe. go back to Idaho.
1: I Love don't it. think they'll have Collective Soul again. They might get somebody else. That'd be
0: cool. Another be ninety cool another nineties band would be awesome.
1: Another nineties band with <laughs> backstage passes. Maybe get us uh some tickets to get on their uh like um tour bus. Their tour bus there and a camper that they were staying in. Yeah, I like That'd it. Be a good
0: time. I like it. I don't know if we could have hung with a collective soul. Them guys would probably party a little hard. Yeah, for I us. think they did. They I we stayed in there for a couple uh hours
1: in their trailer and it was full of white claws. Yes. So you know Collective Soul was getting in there. <laughs> Ain't no laws when you're drinking claws. Very much so. All right, Brian. Thanks, man. Thank you. Bye. Time's limited, so you must listen carefully. Hope you guys like that one. And honestly, I hope the cattle people in my audience really like that one. Uh, he's a great guy. If you want to reach out to him, uh, reach out on Facebook. He's pretty accessible. If you want him to judge a show, reach out to him. and Give me a call, too, because I mean, we'll... We'll handle that. We'll be a duo uh, that you've never seen before in your life. But you better have collective soul playing at the county fair, or jackpot, or we're not coming. That's just that's how it goes. All right. So that's all I got for you guys this week. Uh, like I said before, watch the videos. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be posting this um, this podcast episode all over social media. So make sure you take a look at it. Uh, tell me what you think. Uh, tell me if you think I should. Uh, Video some more podcasts. Uh, I'm kind of restricted by if I do a live recording or not. It's a little hard to record a podcast that's done over the phone, and that's what the majority of my podcasts are is over the phone. But all the live video vid- or all the live podcasts I'm going to be videoing um, in the future. So I love you guys. Thanks for the support. Keep sharing on social media at the Show Pod on Twitter at the show underscore pod. Love you guys.